if humans are naturally drawn to learning, why doesn't everyone enjoy school? If everyone has unique gifts and talents, why do some people feel dumb, depressed, and insignificant? If you want something different, you need to do something different. Welcome to the Element is Everything podcast, where we discuss real-world experiences, research, and strategies around finding your element, what it is, how to do it, and how to support others in developing it. Please welcome your host with over 30 years experience in public education and independent learning, Terry Novacek. Imagine paving your own path for learning and professional development. The freedom to determine your own learning objectives, resources, and work products. For some, that is not the least bit appealing. Many would rather have someone else tell them what to do and how to do it. That's definitely the easier way, and that lower level of personal accountability can be like your favorite pair of fuzzy slippers. But even fuzzy slippers get old and wear out, leaving you with, well, cold and unprotected feet. Hello, I'm Terry, and this month our focus is on the personalized learning plan. Now, I recognize the word plan can be like a dirty word to some. And for someone like me, who is always preaching about how learning should be natural, you might be wondering, why am I talking about plans? Well, you always have a plan, even if it's a plan not to have a plan. Some are comfortable throwing caution to the wind and just going with the flow. Others are neurotic planners, constantly overthinking, overworrying, and preoccupied with the plan. I can honestly say there are times in my life when I have been both. But like everything, balance is key. The Goldilocks rule, you know, not too much, not too little, not too hard, not too easy. So first and foremost, in designing a learning plan, one must know thyself. Whether you as the learner or you as the mentor, it's important to know where the learner stands as far as foundational knowledge and skill, personal experiences and lifestyle, interests and hobbies, talents and strengths, challenges, personality traits, preferred modalities and environment, and personal goals. Oh my gosh, Terry, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I know it sounds like a lot, but hear me out. The ultimate goal is for the learner to be self-aware and self-advocate. It's not your job as the parent, mentor, or teacher to know everything. It's your job to make sure the learner does. Too often we look at students and say, okay, you're in such and such grade, so you will learn X, Y, and Z. There's nothing wrong with that as long as the student has all the preliminary skills mastered, is able to use interests and talents to learn the new skills, and is able to design work to accommodate their challenges and allowed to address personal goals in the overall plan. 
A personalized learning plan goes beyond allowing a student to select a novel from a list of titles only to complete a standardized assignment for literature analysis later. While there will be some common expectations, like reading at a certain level and being able to identify plot and conflict, characters and setting, there's no end to the ways in which those objectives can be met. Okay, so moving on to the parts of the plan. Let's begin with learning objectives and resources. We're going to do a deeper dive into resources later this month, so I'm just going to touch on the surface here. State standards. These can be found on your state's education website for every subject area. Some schools follow them to a T. For others, they serve as a general guide. Even within a school, teachers will use them at varying degrees. There are state-adopted textbooks used in schools because, well, they cover the state-adopted standards. To the textbook industry's credit, they really have come a long way. No longer are they simply a read-the-chapter-and-answer-the-questions-at-the-end type of text. They now include projects, exercises, and inquiry, and extension activities. Personally, as an educator, I use a textbook as a guide. As a learner, I don't use them at all. As much as I enjoy reading, I just can't cuddle up with a textbook. I'd rather read multiple sources of information on a topic for an hour than read a textbook chapter for half an hour in order to learn something. But that's me. I'm a firm believer in getting more than one opinion or perspective. Curriculum guides. There is a plethora of information on the web for curriculum guides. Even if your child attends a site-based school, you might find that he or she has some interests or learning gaps not being met at school and decide to take that on at home. Research homeschool curriculum. There are a ton of websites managed by experienced homeschool parents that have done all the work for you. The homeschoolmom.com is one that comes to mind. Thoughtco.com has a great list of free curricula as well. But whatever you do, make sure to take the time to understand the purpose behind the learning objective. What are you learning and why? What are you asking someone else to learn and why? Do you feel good about the answer to that question? If you were a teacher and your answer to that question, why do we have to learn this, is something along the lines of, because the state, the school, or I say so, please rethink your career because you are not doing our youth justice. You're not doing yourself any good either. You are simply earning a paycheck. You're not operating in your element and your lack of passion will poison rather than nourish your students. So it's important to know why. Why does the school require it? Why is it a standard? How will this skill or knowledge make you a better person, improve your life, make the world a better place? And one more thing to remember, needs before deeds. That's my own saying for taking inventory of a learner's and teacher's needs before determining the deed 
or action or assignment. A teacher needs a student to learn how to calculate the circumference of a circle. A parent needs a child to get along well with others at school. But a child has needs too. Abraham Maslow was an American psychologist in the early 1900s who developed Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He recognized there is a priority when it comes to human needs with basic physical needs like food, water, warmth, and safety as the foundation or the bottom of the triangle. Only when those needs are met can psychological needs such as relationships and a sense of belonging be attained. And only then can one achieve self-actualization, or what we at Element Education refer to as your element, your full potential. It's important the learning objectives meet the learner where they are, that the learner has already mastered the prerequisite skills, and they feel safe, respected, and encouraged. In the examples I just used, the student will need to know how to multiply, to recognize and understand symbols, and to follow multi-step instructions. The child will need to know how to take turns, share, and communicate thoughts and needs in a respectful manner. And if the learner or child is going through a rough time, don't force it. Check in on the foundational needs. The brain of a malnourished or scared child is not at a place to meet your expectations in math or class or on the playground. Next, determine what methods to use for benchmark reflection, also known as assessment. Now, assessment tends to get a bad rap. I think it's because we've become so focused on standardized assessment, but it really shouldn't be dreaded. And I'm not just saying that because I'm one of those people that are good test takers. In fact, I'm not. I'd rather complete a one-month project than take a one-hour test. In the personalized learning world, however, assessment is done often and in many forms. The learner looks forward to assessment because it's used to gauge progress, identify gaps, and adjust the learning plan. It's not a gotcha, no high-stakes, high-pressure thing that tends to motivate cheating more than learning. We'll be diving deeper into assessment later this month as well. So once you know why you're learning, what you're learning, and how you will demonstrate or assess your learning, we determine the work, or as some would say, assignments. I've never really cared for the term assignment. While it has a cool factor in movies like Mission Impossible, your assignment, should you choose to accept it, it is something someone else wants you to do. And for those of you saying, well, yeah, that's the real world, I don't disagree. And I'm not saying I don't think we should only have to learn what we want to learn. I'm just saying, again, there should be a balance. The Goldilocks rule, not everything mandated by an authority and not everything at the whim of the learner. And so, together, mentor and mentee, adult and child, teacher and student decide what will be done in order for the learner to learn. Will they be gaining a skill or just knowledge? If they are only gaining knowledge, should they be taking it to a higher level and applying that knowledge to gain a skill? 
what action or activity will develop and demonstrate the building of knowledge and skill. Lastly, determine who will make up the personal learning network. Now there's the obvious, like a formal teacher and parents, but who else plays a role or could play a role in the learning process? Don't just think trained teachers and college degrees. There are people everywhere who know a lot about a lot and would be thrilled to mentor someone else. And it doesn't have to be people you meet with face-to-face or even camera-to-camera. It can be people you follow via social media, blogs, or, well, podcasts. Whether you and I have ever met, technically, because you're listening to this podcast, I have officially become part of your personal learning network, and I am honored, by the way. We'll be touching more on personal learning networks in two weeks when we discuss resources. And now some final thoughts. Whether a student in a traditional school setting, a homeschool student, a parent honing your parenting skills, a hobbyist perfecting your talent, or a professional seeking more from your work, be sure your learning plan speaks directly to who you are as a learner. Have faith in yourself and the learning process. Every mistake will be a lesson learned and another twist in the road conquered. And remember, this is one time when it is appropriate to take something personal. Next week, we meet with an author and founder of the Learning Success Institute on how to prepare the environment for personalized, self-determined learning. In the meantime, take some time to put your plan in writing. A template is provided in the show notes for this episode on the Element is Everything website, or you can design your own. Plan it as loose or structured as best fits your needs. After all, it is your learning plan.